Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to raise from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Pastor Dave, good friend of mine, love him like a brother, and He's going to bring the word, preach to us this morning. Thanks, Shane. Hey, I just want to also say uh, thank you, as Rivers did, for your partnership and love for our family. Um, we have three girls and a boy, as Shane mentioned. Uh, um, we've gotten to see the first three uh, girls come to faith in Christ. And uh, Melody was one of the eight that we just baptized. And as she uh, went through our sports camp, um, and just to hear the gospel from students like the ones that you sent, uh, she responded uh, saying yes to Jesus. And so thank you for that partnership with sending people, sending prayers, sending money to help uh, this small neighborhood church get started. We, we could not do it without friends and family and uh, churches like Beaver Baptist, so thank you for that. Before we get into the word, let me just pray that the Lord's light shines through it on us and whatever the Holy Spirit would have us do, uh, that we would would follow his lead. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We, when we open it up, may we recognize the, uh, the ancient truths that are alive today, and may the light that, uh, that you have preserved uh, as you've pursued humans that this book captures, and then we get to read now in our generation, uh, may we understand what you would have for us to do in these days. We thank you. It's in your name. Amen. So before we get into Matthew 3, I just want to review really quickly what's been going on in the first few chapters of Matthew. I thought it was uh, uh, nice as on the heels of the Christmas story, this is what we find in the first two chapters of Matthew, and then as we move in to this next week, uh, this day after the Advent season, to maybe move right into the next chapter of the story. So in, in Matthew 1, we have the lineage, uh, which most of you guys have memorized. Way to go, you guys who do that. And then we have uh, Jesus being born, right? This idea that uh, Joseph and Mary were faithful, and, 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 and the Messiah has come, and we have to just celebrate that and 
Christmas lights and this whole season of giving gifts because God gave the greatest gift, right? And then we go to chapter 2 where we have the wise men. You know, the wise men are bringing their gifts to this Messiah and to follow this, this star, to follow this, this wisdom that they have experienced from God, that something special is going to happen. But as they chase down the king, uh, the current king, the current leader, Herod, will do anything it takes to destroy anyone who might hinder his power. And a very heinous, things ha- heinous thing happened in Matthew 2 of the killing of so many children to try to destroy Jesus. But it was not his time yet to be destroyed. But he will have a life of people seeking to destroy him. And then we get to Matthew chapter 3, and that's what we heard uh, read today. And it's this beautiful passage that opens up with uh, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. And what I love about John the Baptist, which you guys may have already studied some, is just, you know, he was one of the first people, right? One of the first people that we see rejoice with joy as Jesus enters a room while they were in the womb. Isn't that a great story of how life begins and how life rejoices, and even as Jesus, as a pre-born human, brought joy. What a great way to start out the Christmas story. But anyway, so John the Baptist, they've grown up. They're like 30 years old now, right? They're like these men, John and Jesus, they're around 30, right? And then we heard this idea of John's preaching out in the wilderness. And I'm not going to read the whole passage again, but he had a message, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So who is this John the Baptist? Right? Well, he acts and he dresses and he speaks with authority. He speaks like a prophet. He's one of those key characters in God's great narrative that connects the Old Testament and the New. John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet. Right? He's, he's the crazy old man right, that lives out in the desert who keeps speaking about God and speaking for God. It's been 400 years since the end of the Old Testament. Testament Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Right? If we backed up just a couple chapters, right? you go, we're in Matthew 3. If you go Matthew 2, Matthew 1, you go back to the next chapter. That's the end of Malachi. This is what it says. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. (laughs) Right? This is John's role. Right? He is this prophet who's bringing in the Messiah. And one of the key characteristics we find about John the Baptist is his humility. Unlike many of us, he doesn't wait for God to discipline and knock him down and and put him in his place. What do we find John doing? Well, he's obedient, living a lesson of reliance by living in the desert of dependence. John is out away from his people, relying on God. Because he knew he had a message. He knew he had something to say. But he knew first he had to get right with his God. So he lived in the desert. 
of dependence. When he interacts with Jesus, he not only knows that he himself is not the Messiah, but he knows his place. He knows that his his dirty hands are not even worthy to carry the dirty shoes of his God. John had a pretty good handle of who he was. And what's this context John the Baptist is? He finds him in, in, in Matthew chapter 3. Well, the people of Israel, his people, God's people, they were looking for hope, right? They were promised all these things that were going to happen for them, and they have not happened yet. In verse 5, it says, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. Everyone. The, it, was, it wasn't just a few people or a couple families that heard about it. It was the town. It was the region. They were going because they were looking for hope. They had recognized that John was a prophet from God. He was a voice for God. But when he saw the religious leaders coming out, because they wanted to come check out what was going on as well, right? And as any good prophet does, as we find Jesus do later, what does a good prophet do when he runs into the Pharisees? Well, he tells them the truth, right? There's also this mindset that these people had that Abraham was their nation's father, and because they were children of Abraham, Abraham had lived a life and had done so much, and his people had done so much, that there was this big, vast merit of, of pleasure that was kind of available to all the Israelites, right? So any gaps that they had, like, in their life, like, oh, well, Abraham, he has enough to kind of fill in the gaps. And they were relying on that. And as I read this, I think of the culture that I grew up in and the number of families, the number of students and friends that I had that kind of relied on their parents' faith. These are lies. There is not some vat of grace because of who your parents are that God's going to welcome you in. John the Baptist knew that each person is going to have to stand before God, and he's really clear in this passage about that. So my hope is this morning is that you will recognize this is between you and the Lord, and your spiritual gaps will need to be filled. So John's message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about repentance. What is this message? As the gospel begins, not just the baby being born and all these great gifts being given and this focus of the, the king has come, come. What we're talking about today is the message. What is the message that has come with this, this great story that we have been celebrating? Well, it's a message of repentance. John is the prequel to the very message that Jesus is going to preach. And in Mark 1, as Mark quickly gets into his, uh, into his story, this is what Mark 1.14 says. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. So hopefully this, this morning, this message will feel a little simple. It'll feel like, oh, this is the gospel. This is what the kingdom is about. It's about repentance. John says it. Jesus says it. This is how it's summarized. So, so back to John. John wanted people and the religious leaders to know 
that repentance is the response to the kingdom of God. Repentance begins with heartfelt remorse about the realization of one's sin. Repentance begins with heartfelt remorse about the realization of one's sin. Before you can change, you must first realize who you are in the light of who God is. Before any of us can change, we have to realize who we are, who, what kind of person, what's our character, what's our identity, not based on another person, not based on a pastor, but based on God. That is where you begin. And if there's any sorrow in that contrast, that must be realized. And I do believe that must be felt in our emotions, in our heart. God's kingdom is truth, right? And the light will display on each of us. And it'll show us what is good and what is evil. What is God and what is the world? Repentance begins with understanding the reality that we have missed the mark. And as you have probably been taught missing the mark, the word is called sin. If you don't hit the target, you have sinned, you have missed. What is the mark? Well, the mark is God. The mark is this life that you learn about who Jesus is. And maybe like John, you can recognize that, oh, these dirty hands can't even touch the dirtiest souls of Jesus. That's how contrast it is. So John's message is the kingdom is here. Open your eyes, friends, right? See the truth. See the contrast between the Messiah and you. See the contrast between God and you. And this is how Jesus describes it to Nicodemus. When we come to this fact of becoming next to God. We take our lives, we put them next to God's life. What is happening? What is the contrast? This is what Jesus says to Nicodemus, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. It does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So say people do not accept this truth, right? They don't accept this idea of the light. What happens next, right? Well, they turn, they hide, they shriek away, they hate it. But if they lean into the light, and that's what we're going to talk about today, leaning into the light, what do we find they do? When verse 6 says, they confessed their sins. When you lean into the light, when you lean into who God is and realize who you are, what happens? What you, it, it, confession follows. If remorse is our response to the wickedness when we come in the light, confession is our response to those feelings. So we have remorse. We, we, the light shines on us. We have this feeling of, oh God, I am so unworthy to be next to you. I am so unworthy to be loved by you. There's a feeling of sorrow of like, what have I done? But the next step in that is confession of saying, God, I'm sorry. I, I'm not who I thought I was. 
When I was in the darkness, I was quite pretty rad. I was a pretty good dude. But when I got next to you, Jesus, I recognized I am evil. I am of the world. So confession follows it by saying our thoughts, by saying with our lips that we're sorry, that we have failed, and that we're in need of forgiveness. We express our feelings of sorrow to God. We desire freedom, right, in those times of remorse. We want to live a life that reflects the love of God, the King of Kings. And Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians 3.17. He says this, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So God is here. We are here. We lean into the light, and our, our deeds are exposed for what they really are. Even the good deeds that we thought we were doing for someone else, sometimes we realize they were actually selfish because we wanted to come climb some sort of ladder with our peers of being better and better than maybe others. But there's freedom. And right now you may be looking at me going, no, that doesn't sound like freedom. That sounds like stupidity. Why would you, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you keep exposing the false parts of your life? Because those of us in the room that have taken steps of growth, there is nothing that beats freedom. The secret life is bondage. The passage continues in verse 18, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. So the spirit is active. So my, propo my proposal to you today is that we would recognize that the light is here. It's Jesus. It's, it's, it's the way of God. And the spirit, when we get close, we lean into the light. We get close to him. The spirit offers freedom by exposing who we really are, which we call that word truth. Who we really are. It's the truth. So I say this today. Our reflection of his perfection will always involve confession. I'll read that again. Our reflection of his perfection will always involve confession. When we live a life that wants to transform, when we live a life that leans into the light, we will transform because we will slowly and begin to reflect more and more the glory of the Lord, that people will see our good deeds that are done in humility, and they will give glory to the Father. One way I like to see this idea of how we were designed and maybe how human beings were created and why we were created, it's this picture that John Piper has given to where we, human beings are mirrors, right? We're mirrors, and sometimes the mirrors, right, sometimes the mirrors are, are at an angle at 45 degrees, and when people see us, they actually see the glory of the Lord. Does that make sense? So we have a mirror set at 45 degrees that people see us 
but they actually see the glory of the Lord. But you know what? That mirror, that mirror sometimes is coated in a whole bunch of different things, right? Sometimes some of us on that mirror, we want to just paint a picture of ourselves. So people see us and like, yep, you see me, and then you see me, you nailed it. Check it out. Don't you want to hang that in your bedroom? That's a good picture, right? Like that angle is designed so that people, when they look at you, they see your good deeds, they give glory to who? God. So what happens when we lean into the light? We lean into the light of God. Well, that mirror, it slowly begins to get cleaned off. That mirror that we think is actually a picture of us so people can see us, people begin to see God. And when the light comes and hits us, it reflects off of us. And that reflection gives glory to our Father. Or it is distorted due to our sin. So as I hope you see today, it's through confession. It's this idea of leaning into the light, recognizing that we have failures, that we can begin to clean off that light. As I was thinking about this analogy, I, I, we have a mirror in our bathroom. Maybe some of you in the room have a mirror like this. And when I first got it, I was like, why would anybody even want to make this kind of mirror, right? So it's a circle mirror. But on the outside of the circle, it's a light. Like it's a continuous light, right, on the outside of the mirror. So it's like there's no shadows. It's like just this bright light in your face, and there's a mirror. And you know what? If you, if you flip the mirror over, it like times 10 your face, right? It's like this, this concave mirror that not only is your nose already pretty big, right? It like quadruples the size of your, 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 your face. But also, this light is like bright in your face as well. And then if you thought you had a pore, you have got a cave inside your face, right? And there's no telling what's inside that cave, but you're like, I'm going to take care of that cave right now, right? So we wonder, why do we make things like this for our face, right? To poke and pluck and whatever you guys do with those kind of mirrors, right? Because we care about our faces. We, we want to know. We don't just want to know what our face kind of looks like in like normal light. We're like, no. I want to know what my face looks like next to the sunshine times 10. Like, I want to know what that spot looks like this big, 10 times brighter than anybody's ever going to see. Why do we do that? Why do we do that to ourselves? People sell these things. I own one, right? People buy these things because they care about their face. And as I began to, I don't only just use this, right? I began to think of like, why do I use this? It's like, because I want to catch things when they're small. Does that make sense? Like, I want to find things that are small because I don't want that pimple that's the size of my cheek. But if I can take care of it when it's small, then it won't grow and be this chaos all over my face because I care about my face. Friends, this morning, as we finish up 2019 and move into 2020, would you consider leaning into the light and care about your character the way we care about our faces?
What is that mirror in your life for you? Where are you leaning into the light to try to catch things that are small so they won't grow into something that will ruin your image? But I would say that won't ruin God's image because you are created to be a reflector of God. And if you can catch things small, you will be that image bearer that God has designed you to be more than you could ever imagine. And with that unveiled face, as Moses shined brightly the glory of God to the Israelites, you can be a person who gives the glory of God away in your life. So I want to give just some quick steps just in review today as we close of repentance and transformation. Step one, we see and we hear about the kingdom of God, namely Jesus and his light. Something happens in our lives where you saw or you heard Jesus and what he has done for you. And at this point, you have to decide, are you going to lean into the light or are you going to hate the light and tuck back into the darkness? Those are your options. But it begins with the gospel, Jesus being seen and heard. If you choose to lean into the light, my hope is, is that the next steps will continue, that your pride will be cut, Others will know who you really are and you can begin to work on yourself. So step two, remorse. That'll be found in your heart because you chose not to hide. You chose to stand next to Jesus and go, I am not worthy to be next to you, Jesus. I'm not worthy to be died for. Have you seen my life? Do you know the way that I think? Do you know the things that I look at? But you must deal with that remorse. So how do you do that? Step three, you confess. You confess that sin. You go to a, a loving God who is, his arms are out wide. He's actually running towards you. As the prodigal son story shares, waiting for you to run to him. Pursuing God has been hoping for your adoption. So you lean to the light, you have remorse, you confess. Step four, you believe the gospel. In the same way that God accepts our repentance, we must accept his forgiveness. When we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, there is something that happens where we get adopted into his kingdom. We become prince and princesses of the king and have brothers and sisters alongside us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Amen, church? This is the story. This is the gospel. This is what we're celebrating today. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, it means your identity has been changed. You are a new per person. Verse 11, this morning, 
Matthew 3, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire purifies. Leaning into the light is a life of confession and purification. And I promise, friends, there is freedom. Step five, we are baptized into a local congregation through water baptism. It's, if that's something you have not done, my hope is that you would be obedient, just like Jesus was in the very next passage in Matthew 3. This is obedience. That since you have identified with God, you should identify with his church. In step six, as I close today, we bear fruit. Matthew 3.8 says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, as John speaks to the religious leaders. This is obedience. Sometimes when we talk or we hear sermons or we read the scriptures, there's a lot of like theory, right? There's a lot of philosophy. It's like, oh, I get it, right? It's all up here in our noggins, right? We, we're like, I get it. I'm adopted. I'm, my identity is new. That's fantastic, right? But there's something about Keeping with repentance. What does that mean? Well, I think it's just like a gardener, right? Or a farmer who, who plants his garden, right? Like what he does. Well, he doesn't leave it alone for months, never taking a look at it, never coming to check on it, and just coming back for the fruit. What is repentance? Well, it's something that you continue to work on. It's something you continue to look into. It's not something you become a Christian and once a year you're kind of like, well, I'll check and see how that's going a year from now. Bearing fruit takes work. We should be daily praying for fruit in our lives that keep with repentance. This means that we're constantly evaluating, confessing, and aligning. This is repentance, friends. And my hope is that you live a life of repentance where there's lots of fruit. And what is the fruit of repentance? Well, the glory of God is displayed. The church is, is a display of God. The incarnation has arrived, and we are living it out. The flesh of God as the church of God. There's two things I want to say real quick about repentance. The first is the there's, there's a first repentance, and so maybe somebody in the room has never had the first repentance. You may say, what do you mean by that, Dave? Well, the first repentance is this idea that you will be humble, you will choose to get off the throne of your life, and you will say, Jesus, will you sit on the throne, the king of my life, and be my Lord and Savior, and I will follow you. That's the first repentance. You can't have any of the other repenting until you do the first repentance. It's like John making the decision to live in the desert where I'm dependent. Now the human heart does not want to be dependent on anyone. And you may be sitting there today going, I don't need anybody. I don't want to be dependent. I've been taught to be my own man, my own woman, to figure it out. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus should be the one first and foremost in your life doing that. 
And then you go ahead and be that wonderful person that you're talking about, that you've been with confidence, right? But be under the authority of Jesus. I'll ask him to be on the throne of your life as to be your king. And the ongoing repentance, for many of us in the room, Psalm 139, 23 reminds us of that. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's my message for Beaver Baptist today, is that you would live in the way that's everlasting, that has eternity involved with it, things that matter, things that will matter for all of time. We need to examine our lives and see what thorns that are there that are choking out the kind of life that God would have for us. We need to have remorse and confess those things to our loving Father. And I encourage you guys in the room today, maybe, as the Bible is pretty clear about, not only confess to the Father, but that you would consider confessing to a spouse or a friend or a brother or a sister or a leader in your church and then you will be healed. May Beaver Baptist Church be a safe place where constant confession is normal and judgment is placed aside and given to God, but grace and embrace of love is common. But by no means should we ever take advantage of his grace. Friends, Jesus is returning. Let's prepare our lives for the return of the King. Maybe 2020 is the plan. Maybe God was like, that's kind of a nice even number. That's when I'm going to come back. That sounds good. Let's prepare our lives for the return of the king. Let's clean off the mirrors, right? Let's lean into the light. Let's catch things when they're small. And why is this important? Well, John tells us in verse 12, his winnowing fork is at hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. And that's where we want to be, right? The good fruit with God in his barn. And the other option, the only other option is, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Friends, this is sobering, but this is the only truth I know. These are the only two things that are options for us in a world that God has created. As this new year arrives this week, will you choose to lean into the light, repent, and seek holiness, and bear fruit in keeping with repentance? Or will you go back into the darkness, be self-dependent, and stay as the king of your own life? Eugene Peterson writes this, repentance is the first word in the Christian life and sets the way of traveling in the light. It's a rejection that is also an acceptance. It's a leaving that develops into an arriving. And it's a no to the world that says yes to God. My hope is that you will repent and believe the gospel and allow God and Jesus to be your king so that you can reflect the Lord's glory until it returns. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for coming. The light has come into the world. There was darkness here. 
Thank you for coming and dying on the cross for our sins. This wonderful news that we have sung about. Jesus, my prayer today, if there is anyone in here that is being self-dependent, that they would consider giving up their throne and living a life of repentance and freedom and knowing that your grace covers all of our sin. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.